0: All right, fine. I'll be a dwarf. But my name is Carlos.
1: Carlos, a dwarf? Good morning and welcome to episode 159 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from baseball Prospectus in New York, New York. I am Ben Lindbergh in Long Beach, California. You are Sam Miller. Uh, Before we start on today's topic, we have... I guess I don't know if it's an errors and omissions segment, but it's a it's a follow up to something we talked about yesterday.
0: Yeah, I th- I, I think it's an error, or certainly it's a clarification.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: So yesterday we talked about uh, why why position players don't people who aren't who didn't hear yesterday are going to wonder um, how we possibly talked about position players blocking <laughs> home play yesterday, but we did, um, and uh, I said that something about physics and how the fielder uh, who tried to block the plate would have the worst of it if a runner ran into him because of physics. And uh, a gentleman named Paul uh, wanted to clarify that Newton has actually uh, taken care of this for us and um, that the runner has no advantage over the catcher because he is, quote, running. The force exerted on the catcher by the runner in a collision is exactly the same force that is exerted on the runner by the catcher to stop the runner. Uh, so yeah, so, um, I just want to, yeah, we, we should note that seems to be correct, (laughs) which I think both of of us had heard at some point in our lives, but didn't internalize. I think that the, um, without trying to defend myself, because I have absolutely no, no idea what I'm talking about, but I think that, um, the point holds, which is that, um, the runner gets to decide, The runner who uh, kind of uh, creates the collision, who uh, instigates the collision, gets to decide uh, where the contact point is, right? And so the the runner can focus all the energy into something strong like his shoulder um, and put it into something weak on the defender or something defenseless. So uh, as an analogy, uh, when we were talking about boxers and liver shots, uh, the boxer's hand uh, absorbs the same amount of energy as the opponent's liver, and yet, uh, clearly, the guy who gets hit in the liver is the worse off for it because he didn't get to choose where he was hit. And with what? Yes. Does that seem fair? Does that uh, seem right?
1: Yeah, I think so. And then the the example that I was thinking of to make this clear in my own mind was a car that is driving fast slamming into a stationary car, which is bad for both cars. Um, but that's not really analogous, because there's no, I guess, targeting of a weak point going on. Um, But I I guess... Great stuff. This is great stuff. Newton's laws of motion have only been around for 325 years or so, so we're still kind of wrapping our our heads around those. Um, Okay, today's topic...
0: Today's topic is Carlos uh, Gomez, yes. the Brewers center fielder.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So Gomez signed an extension uh, with the Brewers that will keep him in Milwaukee through 2016. Uh, he was signed for $4.3 million for this year. Uh, he would have been a free agent next winter. He will not any longer be a free agent next winter. He will be a free agent after 2016 when he will be, I believe, 30 years old, 30, turning 31 that winter. Mm-hmm um and so uh i sure like it what do you think
1: i like it too and, and i mean i guess we both like gomez when we did the brewers preview podcast it was ken funk right was not a big carlos gomez fan if yeah I, remember. I yeah i don't know uh why it is i think
0: i lo- i have found myself feeling really emotionally attached to him and i think that the reason might be you know that i love Peter Borges mm-hmm. more than more than anybody in baseball, and I've often compared Borges to Gomez, and I think that that has actually made me like Gomez more. I think they're in a lot of ways very similar players.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, you kind of, I, I guess, maybe there's some lingering uh, bias against Gomez because for a while there he was not a good player or or not a, a particularly good player. I guess his his defense was maybe so good that that he was at least kind of breaking even and worth playing even when he wasn't getting on base and wasn't hitting for power. Um, and I don't know, if you are a sabermetric sort of person who likes walks, then maybe you don't like Gomez because he really doesn't walk. Um, but you just kind of have to look beyond that at all the things that he does do well. Um, and there there are some. I was just looking at his... Uh, he was ranked the 34th best prospect in baseball by Kevin Goldstein in 2007. And I was just looking at his blurb from the, the top 101 that, that year. Uh, Kevin wrote, To rank this high with a good-not-great 281-359-423 line at Double A means tool city and plenty to dream on, as the scouting lingo goes. This isn't just any old dream. This is a Technicolor masterpiece with cupcakes and puppy dogs, and some other things we probably shouldn't talk about in a family publication. There are those in the Mets organization who think he's the team's best prospect, envisioning another Jose Reyes, but in center, to center field. Plenty to dream on, indeed.
0: Wow, he had a 359 on base percentage. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that sounds pretty. I, uh, I guess it's, I mean, it's kind of unusual. I, I feel like it's not unusual for a player to develop power as he gets older. That's kind of the, the typical progression, but... It seems sort of unusual to do that without really any corresponding improvement in plate discipline or walk rate or anything. I mean, his Gomez's walk rate last year was the worst, or second worst, uh, in a full season of his career. He swung at everything, he struck out uh, a whole lot more than he walked, and yet he still hit for really good power not just for a center fielder great power for a center fielder but but good compared to anyone really uh,
0: yeah I wouldn't think that plate discipline and and power spikes would actually uh, correlate that strongly to be honest
1: I don't know I mean I mean you're... I would think
0: on I would think on base percentage and uh, plate discipline would mm-hmm. um, I mean obviously but uh, I would think that uh, with, I mean, I don't know. To be honest, at a, at a certain point, you, I wouldn't really necessarily want a guy trying to do something that he has been thus far unable to do. I mean, it seems to me that his power came. Well, he's he's gotten stronger. I mean, he's he's working his way into his physical prime. He pulled more balls last year than he had before, uh, and he hits more fly balls than speedsters probably would have been taught to hit twenty years ago. And so, you know, he he's a guy who. Uh, Has increased his isolated power every year since his rookie season. Um, And he has not done anything for plate discipline. There hasn't been any uh, related growth. But, you know, even last year, um, he did cut his strikeout rate some. He did have a career best.
1: Barely. I mean, his strikeout rate last year. From the previous two years. From the previous years. Right on his, his career rate.
0: Yeah, it was lower when he came up and then went up in 2010 and 2011 and then he cut it last year. Um, But, you know, I mean, I don't know. He's not – I I think the thing that's really nice about um, a stat like Warp is that um, it keeps you from fixating on – the flaw because mm-hmm. you see the whole picture and you uh, it it embeds the flaw in it so it's not ignoring it but you don't have to obsess over it and and make it seem like that's the only thing that defines him and um you know he's basically he's a two to four win player depending on your uh on your computer on your website mm-hmm. on your URL um and uh he does that even though he does things that are, I think, probably infuriating to some Brewers fans, and that maybe ten years ago we would have had a hard time looking past. I'm, uh, I guess, I'm maybe more interest, more worried that the defense won't hold up, and I don't really have a great sense. I've always thought of him as one of the probably five best center fielders in baseball. Um, But his numbers took a a little bit of a dip last year. He went from finishing fourth in fielding Bible voting in 2011 in basically half a season to ninth in 2012. So uh, those guys don't think he's an elite fielder. And um, I mean, it would obviously be, uh, it it adds a huge element of risk if you can't count on five to 10 extra runs of defense from him over the next four years. Because if he's a guy who's going to be a plus five or a plus 10 center fielder, for until he's 30, then there's virtually no way this this deal goes wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. that that alone is worth 8 million a year.
1: He's coming um, off his best base running year too. Uh, he is, he's, he's a
0: good base runner. He's, yeah, he's like 86% a... stolen base rate over the last 3 years. He, what 37 out of 43 last year and mm-hmm. how many runs did we have him worth?
1: 4.4. 4.
0: So here's the question though, he's he would have been 27 when he hit the free agent market. And I think that's what B.J. Upton was. And B.J. Upton got a huge contract from Atlanta as a 27-year-old, even though B.J. Upton has been significantly worse than Michael Bourne over the last three, four years. And Bourne is, I think, 31, which is what Gomez will be in four years when he hits free agency. So it's kind of surprising, to be honest, that he would sign this extension. He's a Boris guy, and sometimes Boris guys will sign extensions, but a lot of times they're timed sort of well so that the player still hits free agency in his peak and Gomez might be the kind of player who the market doesn't want to see after the age of 30 no matter what mm-hmm. um, and he might have actually had uh, I mean he he might have actually turned down or missed an opportunity to really cash in because over the last two years I think you could argue that he's been as good as B.J. Upton and, and maybe better and very similar to B.J. Upton so if he had hit free agency as a 27 year old um, I mean, that's a pretty good market comparison to, to take into meetings with teams.
1: Yeah, and I feel like given the state of uh, free agent classes these days, almost any good player who's a free agent is kind of in a good position. I was just looking at the free agents uh, or the guys who are going to be free agents next winter if they don't sign an extension or something between now and then, and it's really a very, very thin crop. Um just because of all the extensions for young players and 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 guys like Gomez, who probably would have been free agents at, at one point in the past, but will not now. Uh, it's kind of, I mean, it's headlined by Jose Molina, of course. Uh, but after Molina, uh, it's kind of a big <laughs> drop-off to Robinson Cano, um, assuming that he doesn't sign an extension. And there are some center fielders who are decent, who are on the market. Like who? Well... There's Ellsbury, uh, there's Chris Young, who I think has an option that might not be picked up. Um, there's Granderson, if you consider him a, a center fielder at this point. Uh, so there's that. I mean, there's just there are very few star level players. There's there's Brian McCann, kinda who's got question marks. There's older guys like Beltran or. Chu, there are some decent starters, I guess, Josh Johnson, Matt Garza, Kuroda, uh, a couple guys, Lincecum and Halliday, who would have looked like really marquee free agents until recently, but now maybe not so much. Um, So I wonder, I mean, clearly this is a, a trend towards fewer free agents and teams locking up players early, and I wonder whether it will ever... Swing back in the other direction and, and whether we'll see the kind of free agent classes we used to see or not. I mean, I guess it's it's certainly not a, a, a bad thing for baseball, I guess, to for teams to lock up players early, which maybe allows them to compete uh, if these are team-friendly extensions without huge payrolls and people like to see players stay put and spend large parts of their careers with a single team that's probably not a bad thing either. I guess I sort of miss the ability to remake your team in one offseason. I wonder whether there will be less uh fluctuation from year to year in team records if if there, if free agency is not really an option or not a an option to remake a roster in a single offseason. It was always sort of I don't know,
0: we've had we I mean the we've had three teams really drastically remake themselves in the last two off seasons, right? The Blue Jays this year, mm-hmm. the Marlins last year, and if you include the, the kind of the calendar year, the Dodgers since June. Um, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know that I'm worried about being unable to remake yourself.
1: Well, I guess if we see more trades, that's not a bad thing either. Trades are fun.
0: I could see looking at that free agent crop and even though it seems overall fairly weak, especially for pitchers, I could see looking at it and saying that from Gomez perspective, if Ellsbury has, you know, bounce back year and, um, and young is on the market and maybe Chu sticks at center field all season long. And so then he goes on the market as a potential center fielder. And mm-hmm. I think Granderson will definitely try to position himself as a center fielder. Mm-hmm. Um, That could actually have buried him a little bit so possibly I could see that being part of the calculus
1: It's funny in uh, Gomez's player comment in the current annual uh, there's a sentence that says Gomez remains as hacktastic as they come offering it more pitches than any NL regular posting walk to strikeout ratios near the league bottom and constantly swinging for the fences essentially doing everything he can to avoid taking advantage of his speed it's sort of funny that there's still a perception that uh, maybe what he's doing is counterproductive because his his speed is sort of his most salient skill and he's not just hitting the ball on the ground and running fast, whereas it seems like power is maybe his greatest skill at this point, even though speed is is still something he has.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had 200 isolated power last year, which is corner outfield kind of quality. I like this from 2007. He has great speed, but is more suited to right field. (laughs) Huh. Huh, Is right. Hmm. So, one last thing I wrote um, uh, a couple weeks ago about the Brewers farm system from 10 years ago, which was ranked the number one system in baseball, and the exercise was to sort of see how long the effects of having a top farm system last uh, through, you know, by keeping your guys and by spinning them off for new pieces and whether 10 years from now that farm system still has echoes. And Gomez will, uh, the Brewers have two first-round draft picks that they got for Prince as compensation for Prince Fielder, so those guys will keep that farm system's uh, production going if either one of them pans out, but Gomez will definitely do so. If you assume, as I think has been shown pretty conclusively, that most uh, extensions are team-friendly and that most players who are re-signed by their teams Uh, do somewhat better than free agents that aren't signed by their teams, then you could say that